0: Welcome back. This is going to be such an exciting episode. I'm so, so thrilled to have my guest today because she has been somebody in my life for a couple of years now. And so I've been blessed to been, you know, along the ride a little bit of along the, my own personal journey with this incredible guest. And so I am so, again, so excited to bring her to you today. So my guest today, her name is D- Deep and Deepshika is a keynote speaker on inner critic, metaphysical teacher, and host of the podcast Journey Home to Self. She helps high-achieving women get beyond their inner critic so they can unlock their limitless potential for more creativity and meaning. In addition to offering one-on-one mentorship and online courses, Deepshika has also guest lectured at Elephant Journal Academy and has won an award for her excellence in coaching from Stellar Business Award. She's been featured in Entrepreneur, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Tiny Buddha, Self Magazine, Elephant Journal, and the award-winning MarieTV. Deepshika, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, my pleasure, and thank you for having me. I am so excited, and I am so excited to just be looking at you, just be watching you do this on your genius, and especially what you're doing with this podcast, helping people stay deliciously alive. I'm just so... I can't feel but be, like, proud of you, like, in a very mat- matrinal way. <laughs> I prefer. But it's, <laughs> it's true.
0: I mean, you have, even when I first broke into the online space, you know, we connected fairly soon after. And so mm. it's just such been such a beautiful ride to be able to bring on people that have made an impact in my life over the years and have it come full circle to hear. And so I'm so excited to see what you're, you know, to talk about what you're doing and this, you really having this focus in the, on the inner critic. And mm-hmm. so you do a lot of work around the inner critic. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what is your definition of the inner critic? What is this?
1: Yeah, so, well, let's just go with the definition that everybody is aware of. Inner critic is that voice inside our head, that constant chatter that tells us all the ways we are not good enough, tells us all the ways we will never be able to get to our goals, get to our vision, tell us all the ways we are not worthy or deserving or um, how we will fail or how we are not good at a particular skill. So that's this, um, this voice, this constant radio that keeps going inside our head. And I don't believe anyone who says that I don't have an inner critic. I believe every one of us has an inner critic because it's part of our neurology. It's part of our wiring. It is that primitive part of our brain which kept us safe. It still keeps us safe. So it's, it's an extremely important part of our brain, actually. However, it is never required, especially when we are reaching for those heights, especially when we are working on our goals. Okay. It's never really required there. It never really serves a purpose there. It serves a purpose in keeping us alive. So it serves a purpose when it says, hey, don't drive too fast. You're going to crash into someone, right? You're a bad driver. And even then, I would say inner critic is, it's such a primitive part of the brain that it was really needed and required millions of years ago when there were cavemen and where the brains were not evolved and we did not have the neocortex, we did not have the analytical part of the brain. Now that our brains are evolved, we don't really ever need the inner critic.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. It's funny because I... um... I was talking to you with a friend about this a while ago about how we motivate ourselves and mm. how there's kind of two paths of motivating ourselves. There's the one where you hear a lot about it in the athletic area mm-hmm. where it's you got to go harder, push harder, kind of that berating, you're not good enough, you got to get better. And then there's the more of the artist or the creative expansion approach where yeah. you're just approaching things with love. And so, what i'm hearing you saying is and the berating and that that that's a very short-term motivator but what i'm hearing you saying is that we may not need that at all is that like is there any role of the inner critic right now or is it like outdated
1: well you know in situations where there is literally survival involved yes so you know for people who are right now in Ukraine, in Iran, in situations Mm. like that, yes, like in survival, yes. It is a myth, I call this the myth of the inner critic that it helps us motivate. But the message that I want to spread across, there's been a lot of messaging and I was doing my research, Sarah, and I saw that there are a lot of books and podcast interviews that talk about mastering Mm. our inner critic, right? As Mm. if it's a thing that, as if you were the master and it's the it's the submissive, right? You know, you have to master over our inner critic. And that never works because the inner critic is like, oh, ha, 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 ha. you know, I'm going to show you who the master is here now. You cannot will Lord. your inner critic into silence. You cannot will your inner critic into submission. I love this. Philosophy that you know, and Einstein said that that you cannot solve the same level, same problem with the same level of conscious. You can never change the program with the program. You can never change matter with matter. Energy changes matter. You can never try to, if you try to endorse the ego, if you try to endorse the inner critic. The ego and the inner critic, which in my opinion is one of the same thing, are only going to become bigger and bigger. You're endorsing the inner critic. So you, I believe in befriending our inner critic, knowing the inner critic. And what happens is, you're right, Sarah, that when we use our inner critic as a way of motivating ourselves, it is very short-lived. And it also doesn't lead to long-lasting happiness. My message in the world is how can we find meaning and happiness in our lives in the everyday? Not when you check the box, not when you hit the goal, not only when you won, but in the everyday. So when you use the motivation to, let's say, kick a soccer ball, if you kicked it in the goal, yeah, that motivation worked according to you. But if you did not kick it, That motivation failed. And now your inner critic gets endorsed even more and gets louder even more. But the opposite of that is when we befriend our inner critic, when we try to really get to know who it is, create a relationship with it, start talking to it as if you're talking to a mad person and trying to understand what it's saying or a child. In some situations, they are the same children and mad people. (laughs) in my house, then your inner critic kind of comes with a seat at the table. It gets a seat at the table. You can invite it at the table. And I'm going to use her for my example because my inner critic has a persona and that's what I recommend everybody should do. They should create a persona for the inner critic, give her a name, give him a name. Um, And when that happens, then your inner critic can turn into a big strength. It can turn into an inner mentor. So I'm in this really great writing program. It's called Gateless Writing by Susanna Kingsbury. And her whole philosophy is based on this as well. And when I found her, I was like, I am definitely going to join this program and be here for life because this is my philosophy. And she says that when you're writing, you know, there nowhere in the world criticism is more prevalent than writing. That's the whole philosophy of writing, right? You write, you share your work, and then people will mm-hmm. critique it. And what happens is that when you critique the work, according to the Gateless writing, and it totally works, we as people are only focusing on what's not working. But when we don't critique the work, when we find what's good in the work, so that's what we do in our Gateless writing community. We share our work, and then people find things that are good with the work that's when your internal editor comes online, your inner mentor comes online. And you yourself can see, oh, this is great. It's working great. I'm going to finesse that, make that great. But I also noticed that that sentence wasn't really going when I was reading it to other people. So the idea is, and the core principle, the tenet behind my company is that we are all whole. We are worthy. We are powerful. We are unlimited. And we are enough. So if we work from that belief, then we also have the ability to self-correct ourselves, right? But what's happening is that we're not working from that belief. You're working from the belief is that we are not whole. We are incomplete. We need to be fixed so we can get on a diet. We can get a pill. We can get a bottle. We can go on a shopping spree. So we will fix ourselves. And then that becomes a never-ending cycle. So
0: true. And I love this perspective shift of, the befriending the inner critic—it just feels so much more expansive than having mm-hmm. that little voice in the back of your head always telling you oh, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you're not enough, whatever it is. So I want to take more into this, but if we back it up for a second, what? Because I mean, we all have yeah. this inner critic. What is it? What's the cautionary tale here? Like, where where can this go? if we don't really embrace the inner critic and learn how to befriend it? hmm Well,
1: the worst thing for me, especially, Sarah, is, and I believe a lot of people will probably agree to it, is that it doesn't go anywhere. And for me, staying stuck in the same place, nothing mm-hmm. can be worse than that. So you stay stagnant. Because when your inner critic gets loud, first of all, you talk yourself out of possibilities. Let's say you want to start a business. You want to become a coach or a copywriter or an editor, whatever. And your inner critic says, you can't do this. You don't have the skills. And you never start. So you stay where you are. And for me, I don't know. Like for me, that's like the biggest fear.
0: Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Yeah.
1: Just stay the same. Yeah. And the second thing is that because you're talking yourself out of possibility, you are telling yourself that all your dreams, all the things that you believe to be true somewhere deep inside about yourself are actually not true. It's just a made-up fantasy. But you're going to believe this voice that constantly chatters and it slows down that voice of our inner mentor, the soul, the spirit, whatever you call it. People have different names for it. You don't let that voice come out. So you never let your potential grow. It's like, you know, if you, if like right now we are, especially where I am, we are approaching spring. And I was just looking out of my window today and I could see on a tree, I could see those red butts. Right. So I if I go and I just squish each bud with my fingers or I stamp on those the flowers on the bed of my backyard. I am just squishing possibility. I'm thinking you haven't come out for the last six months. What makes you think you're going to come bloom now? Like, you know, just squishing it. There's this really beautiful um Not a story, it's a reality, but I read it on the internet a while back and it always stayed with me that there was, I think there was a man or I don't know what happened, but he saw the caterpillar in the cocoon and it looked very painful. So it thought that it'll release it and he poked holes in the cocoon and it died. So that's what we are thinking of. Like, has anyone died from not letting their potential unleash themselves mm-hmm. i think so i really think so we at least know at least one person in our family i can relate my mom was that the cause on the death certificate no but i know that she died a little yes. every time because she couldn't
0: she couldn't fulfill yeah. her, her potential i think that is and like you said it's never going to be on any cause of death certificate but yeah there is And I think if you're ambitious and if you're motivated to grow, this is probably really going to resonate is that you do feel a little bit, you can feel that you would feel a little bit dying inside when you experience the opportunity of possibility and then retract back. And it, and that stagnance, that staying the same really does feel like a little piece of you dies every time. Totally. So when we talk about befriending our inner critic, what does that even look like? Like, how can we get to that place? Yeah.
1: So there are a couple of steps. There are a couple of ways that you can do it. So first of all, what I recommend everyone is to start making a list of what the inner critic sounds like. You know, what is it really saying to you? And the practice that I offer everybody is you know, being an observer. So mostly we are in a very reactionary mode whenever we are communicating with other people or even with our relationship itself. We think of a thought, we have a feeling and we react. And usually how we react is either we will escape it, right? So we will escape the feeling by scrolling on social media, by going on a Netflix binge, escape it or avoid it, or we will react to it. So we're going to get into an argument with someone. We're going to go on social media and start those Facebook wars that we usually do. We've all done that, right? So I would like you to take a moment, and I call this the sacred pause. And almost like, you know, whenever you hear the voice, and this is practice, it's not going to happen in one go. Take a moment and step back and say, all right, I'm just going to, I'm not going to engage with it. And I'm just going to take a pause and sit back and just see what it's saying. And you won't be able to do that every time in a day because, you know, when you start paying attention, you will see how much your inner critic talks to you in a day. Usually you don't speak that much, but the inner critic voice is on the entire time. So if if you can't do it every moment, do it maybe once a day, maybe twice a day. And like this example... When I was growing up, I grew up in India and um, I remember going to my grandmother's house. And at that time, my grandmother's mother, so my great grandmother was alive and she had some kind of a, a, a mental disorder. I think I don't know what it was, but maybe it was dementia. So she wasn't really present. right? She wasn't really present when she was there. So I remember she was very sweet and she would have moments of coherence. She would have moments of clarity where she would see us and she would talk to us. But I remember this very clearly that most of the time she would sit in the room and she would just keep talking to uh, my grandmother and she would not to, but she would start keep talking at her. So she would say, you didn't pick the kids from school. And she was stuck in a time, right? So she was not present. She was stuck in a time when the grandkids were younger you haven't picked the kids from school, you haven't made the food yet, you haven't put the clothes out uh, in the sun yet, you have to do that correctly, you didn't make, make the lentils yesterday properly. She was constantly on and on and on. And what my grandmother used to say is, she used to be like, okay, yeah, ma, I heard you. Okay, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Or sometimes she will just downright just keep her talking and ignore and just exit the room. So I want you to think of this, you know, story when you talk about observing is that you don't have to engage with it right it's a mad woman I literally call my inner critic mad woman in the attic that's awesome <laughs> literally it's like my... and I mean I didn't make it up I uh I heard it in the book Burnout Out by Emily Nagoski and her sister um they call it mad woman in the attic the inner critic and they've it, it taken the the metaphor from Jane Austen so you know just think about your inner critic as this mad woman or, you know, mad guy or whatever. And just be in an observer seat and just start noting down what are its characteristics. And then have fun with it. You know, have fun. that like, Okay, if this was a real person. If this was a mad woman. Who, what would she look like? What was she wear? Like, you know, create a persona about it. So my uh, inner critic, for example, is called <laughs> Miranda. She's the like the ugly school principal, pretty much like the principal from Matilda. Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. Too funny. Yeah, and she's mean and she's strict and she's just downright not a good person. And so once you find out who that person is, what you've done is a very important step. You've created a distinction between your voice And that person's voice. This is a really, really important step. Celebrate yourself. Yeah. Because you're
0: no longer thinking of the inner critic's voice as your voice. Interesting. That is so interesting. And it's true. I mean, we think about, we probably all heard it. When you you talk about, you wouldn't say half the things you say to a friend that you would to yourself. And it's that distinction that makes it so powerful when it's somebody else. Mhm. Yeah. I don't know why it feels why do you think it feels less powerful when it's somebody else versus yourself? Because when we hear
1: things from of course we also internalize things from our our people who say this to us yeah. and uh you know another thing that I when people are having a difficulty creating their persona I tell them to do is that okay, whose voice is this? Mm-hmm. Like, is it your mother's voice? Is it your teacher's voice? But as adults, we know that if you tell me something, I will have a, there's a little bit of distinction. There's space involved, right? Mm-hmm. There is like, you know, it's not coming from inside of us. And most people believe what's coming from our head. We as a culture, we have been conditioned to believe that whatever our head tells us is true. Yes, the head yes. Is The head is the master. Head is not the master. Your soul is the master. Your head should be the slave,
0: Mm. right? So your soul, your spirit needs to be the master. That's so interesting because it's funny. I was talking about this, another recent conversation where it's so funny how we will often believe or or take our beliefs as truth and we don't take a second to actually question our beliefs because what we believe doesn't mean it's factual it just means it's our belief but it's kind of the same thing it's like when we separate that out it's no longer a belief system it's like because when we're talking to ourselves that inner critic it's like it's almost it almost feels factual when we're talking to ourselves versus when it's another persona Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, do I want to believe that? It's kind of like that same process of questioning your beliefs.
1: Yeah. And if we believe that it's factual because we haven't questioned it yeah. yet. And another thing that I would say if you can't, you know, if because the most difficult part is staying in that observer seat, yeah. you know, applying that big thinking called the metacognition and psychology called consciousness and spirituality, right? So you, it's the, if that is the hardest part. When your inner critic is really going, just start writing it down. Like, write down all the, na- like, don't edit it. Write down all the nasty things that it says to you. And yes, you will cry. And yes, there will be a lot of emotions. Let it happen after you've got enough sufficient. Material. That's like character development for mm. a fiction story. Yeah. Why would you develop your character? And what people find is that there are two or three different voices. It's not just one inner critic. There is like I have this sassy college girl, sassy teenager. Sorry, I have this witch. Um, I have you know the good perfect girl who wants people please everyone. Mm-hmm. So you will that's like you know you will find all these different traits and personality. What we are identifying as all those false beliefs that you have, you have thought of them as true that are keeping you from your potentiality.
0: So is there ever any times that you think listening to your inner critic is a wise or I mean, really in this, we, you kind of said it earlier, but in this day and age, it's not like we rely on it.
1: I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so because, and I'll tell you why I don't think so. Because of the way we have become as a society. Our inner critic is just a combination of voices from our culture, our conditioning, our beliefs of our parents. And maybe there is some good in the
0: voices there. You wouldn't know until you question it. And the upside's probably not worth the downside. Probably not worth the upside. Totally.
1: But when you befriend your inner critic and you really get to know it, you create a relationship with it and you give it a seat at the table, you say, all right, you are a part of my executive team now. Right? That's not the version of your inner critic. That's your inner mentor. So that wouldn't look like your inner critic. If you look at the characteristics of inner critic, you know, your inner critic is very uncultured. It doesn't have good grammar, it, it's brash, and it's always very one-dimensional. There's like, either this is right or this is wrong. And they ideas are very shallow like they will say oh um you're not good at playing tennis so uh why don't you just go take a nap because that's what you're good at but it also double-sided and when you go take a nap it will say oh you but you're a lazy bum you're always taking a nap mm-hmm. right so your inner critic will sound like a critic you'll be like i don't know what to do you're so like do you have like a disorder and it actually sounds like a mad woman because and imagine taking directions of, on your life from a mad person. You wouldn't want to do you're that. You're never right? going to win. Yes, it's not loving, and I don't. I don't tell anyone to give your inner critic the seat at the table until they've churn, turned into your inner mentor, until they have either given their good traits to the inner mentor or become a strength. Because your inner critic is going to, even like you're spoil the other executives while well, the the marketing team the director and it's all like that. the bad
0: seed or whatever well, the bad exactly
1: it's the bad seed. exactly okay. and your inner mentor on the other side is very loving
0: so how do you
1: it will say that oh you do it
0: yeah.
1: okay maybe okay let's say if i wanted to i don't know jump out of a parachute my inner critic will say you can never do it because you are a were my inner mentor will say, "Oh, okay, maybe that's a good idea, but I think let's look at safe places, mm-hmm. or maybe at least talk to someone who has done it before." Your inner critic will have ideas, great ideas, so that you can reach your potential. Your inner critic will shut you down immediately. Does that make
0: sense? Makes complete sense.
1: It sneaks up on so you many times.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you said, like there's probably a lot more of that conversation than we even realize because we're just so accustomed to the internal chatter. So when it comes to befriending, there's this process of, you know, bringing this, separating that persona out. And then you said there's this shift that happens where that persona, we'll say, needs to shift from the inner critic to the mentor. What is required to make that shift?
1: Yeah. So let's say that you are here right now. You're listening to your inner critic and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to befriend my inner critic. Creating that persona, getting to know your inner critic is step one. Last thing is getting your inner mentor a seat at the table to make executive decisions on your life or turning it into a big strength of yours. We want to be able to reach that. So the first step is you apply big thinking, self-awareness, and you start to create a persona. Now, there are a few things that you will have to start practicing. So, you know, a couple of things that I uh, tell people is A, so communicate with it. Ask a question. So whenever your inner critic says, you can't do this, tell me why I can't do this. Inner critic does not have any valid answers, right? It'll shut up straight away. So either just, and you know, lovingly, all right, tell me why I can't do this. Why do you think I can't do this? And then it will come up with a very shallow answer. uh, Like, no, because you're not good enough. Tell me why I'm not good enough. So once you start the questioning with your inner critic, it will come to a point where it will start to slow down. And even you can actually lull it to sleep when you start questioning. You know, it'll sleep and That's when your inner voice starts to get louder. So if you're, I don't know if you guys can see me, but on this podcast, but you know, if, if your inner critic is the voice, it's the front and center, your inner mentor's voice, your soul's voice is like deep buried in your soul. But when the voice of the inner critic starts to get a little bit slower, then the soul's voice starts to get louder and it starts to give you creative ideas on how you can do it. What is the possibility? The other thing that when the inner critic gets very, very loud, and this will happen in high-stake situations, especially in the beginning, when you've not completely understood what your inner critic is, what she wants, what it's capable of, tell it all right. Okay, I hear you. However, I got this. I'm an adult. I got this. So that's another thing that you can literally talk to your inner critic. A great way to do that is journaling. Just journal with your inner critic. Say something, you answer it back. Hmm. The third thing which I absolutely love, and your inner critic actually loves it, give it a job. Your inner critic is very good at finding criticism. It's very good at finding, uh, you know, doing those all analysis, strategy kind of a thing as well give it a job tell it all right I'm gonna go do this I'm gonna go give a speech why don't you find ways for let's say for me to extract feedback from this audience like how will I be able to do that so when you once you're in a critic and this seems very random because people I'm sure are like how do you do that but your inner critic are giving you ideas oh I remember, I went to this uh, talk the other day and they had talk a dot on the screen and it asked us questions so why don't you do that so give it a job whether it's a small job or a bigger job again coming back to my great-grandmother that's what my grandmother used to give her when she would get really really disillusioned she would just give her a bowl of peas to peel she'd be like here do this right the other jobs that inner critic love is something which is repetitive washing dishes vacuuming walking the dog something which is synchronized so they okay I'm gonna give you this job get the stain out as effectively as possible give the job to the inner critic where you need the job to be done super super you know effectively like removing the stain vacuuming the floor washing the dishes so something like that and the other thing is that we have to understand their neurology the inner critic gets fired up because of the amygdala hijack, right? So the amygdala, which is a portion in our brain, it's, you know, is about flight, fight or flight. It wants to keep us safe. So give it safety. So when I say be, befriend your inner critic, really befriend your inner critic. When your friend goes all hyper because a boyfriend hasn't called or because she's scared that her parents will find out that she quit her job, what do you do? You go to her room or her, her house with a bottle of wine, and you, you tell her good things. You tell her he's such a bum. He didn't call you. Don't worry, we'll find you a good guy. you tell her all the reasons why she was right in quitting the job. so give your inner critic safety and things that work, massage, nap, long walks in nature, like I said, anything which is synchronized tells the inner critic I'm safe. I'm safe right, right now because you would never do repeated actions in in flight or fight. Right.
0: Right. It's like Good. calming up the nervous system a little bit. Exactly.
1: And then, of course, you know, things which really work because, you know, critic can also uh, trigger anxiety. It does in me for sure. You know, taking a breath, like taking deep breaths. All these things work. But now you're not coming from a place of Um, you know what, I'm just going to find a way to master this and squish it down, but it never appears. I think the biggest thing that people need to
0: understand is that you will never be able to get rid of it. Yeah, it gets louder the more you try and suppress it. Yes. It's just energy directed at it. This reminds me, have you ever read The Alchemist? Yes. It reminds me of the voice of the heart over Uh time, you know, how it's able to, the voice of the heart is able to grow. And it's not directly tied to the inner critic. It's just that befriending of something that used to just, you know, tell you about warnings or tell you about safety. And it actually becomes a really sacred and beautiful relationship that you could have.
1: Totally. And it is exactly that, even though the alchemist doesn't talk about the inner critic, but that's what we are doing. We are getting our voice of the heart A heart, sorry, louder and louder. And we are frightening the inner critic. We are slowing its speech down. We are lulling it to sleep. That's what we're doing here.
0: Interesting. So what has your, because I mean, you've done so many incredible things. What has your experience been like? I mean, we all have the experience of the inner critic, but was this a rude awakening for you one day how did you kind of recognize this in your own life what's your experience been
1: yeah i mean i belong to that category that we were talking before where i thought that i could use my inner critic as motivation you know yeah. I, you, i'm like oh i i'll show it to her one day like i'll show it to her that she's wrong and i'm right And I was trying to change matter with matter. And I was trying very hard. It's like running on a hamster wheel. It really is. You're never going to get off. And my journey happened when I decided to pause my previous business, which, you know, you were a part of, uh, which I did as a business coach. And I was going through a rough time mentally, emotionally, physically, and I decided to You know, switch my. Actually, I didn't even know what I wanted to switch my business to. I thought I knew, and I told people that I'll do this. But, like you know, having hindsight now, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to live my life the way that I was living, and I knew that I wanted to make a change. Again, that space of like, you know, are you okay being stagnant? And I was not because, no matter how many accomplishments I was getting. I just felt that I was in the same space. So, you know, outside in the world, I was this successful, badass businesswoman. But inside my room and inside my head, I was this unworthy, not enough, um, people-pleasing, always seeking for approval, um, little girl, right? Who was like, I can think of, a, like, you know, you cowering down and somebody's pointing a finger at you and telling you, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So I went on this spiritual awakening, this journey, which I call the journey home to self, which is also my podcast. And even though I, I see the journey as an infinity symbol and there are different phases in the journey, I see the first level, the first point where you enter into the journey to self. And when we say self, you know, how I describe it, Sarah, is there's a self with a lowercase self and there's a self with, a, with an uppercase self. The lowercase self is your ego. It's your identity. It's who you believe you are in the world. It's your bank account, the company you own, the home you own, the kids you have, all of your personality traits, which can be changed. It'll be here today, not there tomorrow. It's, you know, never, never permanent. But the self, the uppercase S is the essence of who you are. It's really who you are before the world told you who you are. Right, It is that soul part of yourself. It's that highest self that people call in the spiritual world. And so, like I said there, I see this whole journey as four levels. The first one I call the tomb. The second one I call the forest and the porch, which is the fire. And then the rebirth. But the first one, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, is the tomb. I call it the tomb because I found myself there. Because every time you take a decision to change yourself, you say, enough of this bullshit. I am not going to believe in these lies anymore. I'm going to change myself. I don't want to believe that I'm not worthy. I don't want to believe that I'm not good enough. I don't want to believe that I don't have the potential to get to my dreams. You enter this, almost this portal. And you. I saw this as a tomb. And that is where your inner critic is the loudest. So your inner critic is the first demon you slay on a journey home to self. And I, when I say talk about this journey... I talk about the challenges that every stage holds and the gift that every stage holds. And you can't escape a level. You have to go through all levels. Your inner critic is not only the biggest demon that you will slay in this level, the first one, the tomb. I also call it the water because it has got to do a lot with our emotional body. But it's the guard of the gate. It's the guard of the gate to yourself. And it protects that gate for with all its might. It's the guard at the gate to the voice of your highest self, the voice of the heart that we were talking about, the voice of your soul. So my experience was that when I was in this tomb, Sarah, it was like, you know, I was unleashed the inner critic. It's suddenly from Miranda, she became like, you know, in those animated movies, how the monsters suddenly become like big and huge. Yeah. I'm thinking of that, that movie, I, with the video game where this character, it kind of eats on itself and becomes this huge monster.
0: I totally know what you mean.
1: It became the monster. And it was like telling me all the ways I'm not good enough, all the ways, you know, I'm not worthy and deserving and all of it. And I was like, you know what? Enough. I'm just, I'm sick of it. So I'm just going to let it, let it talk. And I would just go every day and I would do this in meditation. I would put a blindfold on. I would put my ear earplugs in. And I would just sit there and I was like, okay, go, go, take a go at it. Like, t- tell me, tell me, w- come at me. And it was very difficult. And I'm not, this is not through a, like one day or two days. This is months and months and months. And there was this one day when this voice came through me and it said, what if you're not in a tomb, you are in a womb? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, that is so interesting. Interesting. Like the place that I'm envisioning as the tomb, what if it's the womb where I'm gestating right now? And that changed my perspective. And that's when, you know, the monsters is almost like shrunk down and I could see her as a mad woman now, vulnerable. You know, something to say. The inner critic is also very loud because it has not been heard. It's the voice of the oppression. It's the voice of the mother. It's the voice of the father. It's the voice of that inner child who was never heard. So once you see it as that vulnerable voice and you start to know it, that's when my inner inner critic was like, and this is how I experienced her. She literally was like, oh, I said it all I could say. I'm so tired now. Please let me go to sleep. So when she went to sleep, my soul arose, my inner voice arose, and that became my red thread out of the womb. So I kind of experienced it like that. And, you know, if that works for people, take this affirmation or mantra or whatever you call it, you're not in a tomb, you're in a womb and change your perspective into how you look at the inner critic. We often see it
0: as an enemy, but what if it's not? I love that. Reframing perspective is something that has served me so well in so many different ways. and. The analogy that you just shared is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is such a good way to be able to envision it. So it feels, it feels like you can move through the experience. It's actually hilarious. I've talked about this on other podcast episodes before, but you were actually going with the birth analogies. <laughs> um, there was an experience that we had together and you were we were talking about something. I was going through something in my life and you were talking about you're like you're in the birth canal and and you're Mm. trying you're like scratching your way back up you (laughs) just need to you need to move through the birth canal there's no going back and it was so interesting because it was such a a powerful moment for me but it really is kind of it's like that where you know you don't need to scratch to stay in that space Mm -hmm. if you just accept it let it be surrender and yeah. and open your heart to what's possible maybe this this inner critic plays an incredible beautiful part of what's to come yeah it just feels so much more expansive and i love your tune to womb shift because that's the perspective shift is everything because it, it changes is the way you think about what you're experiencing your circumstances right and as a result has a direct correlation to your results. Totally, totally. I love perspective shifts too.
1: By the way, thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so touched. And I wanted to add this before as well, but we got on the topic that just hearing that I may, perhaps made an impact in your life is like everything to me. So it just means so much to me. Thank you for that. And yeah, perspective shifts are everything. And I I don't believe in quantum leaps anymore. I used to think that I, would be, I believed in them Quantum leaps can lead to a lot of accidents when you're leaping. um, You can fall really badly. You can bruise yourself really badly, even lose a leg. I'm talking figuratively here. But, you know, quantum leaps are something that I don't recommend quantum leaps for most people, especially for women who've gone through some kind of trauma because quantum leaps makes our Nova system shut down. It's just too much. It's just too much. It's too much for us. But I love and I believe in the in one degree shifts. Mm. And if you're flying, if you're flying from New York to L.A. or New York to Canada, where you are, and the plane starts to make one degree shift every hour, it's going to be in a totally different place. So when you take these one degree shifts, these perspective shifts, and that's all I talk about on the podcast too, you can change your life. And usually when we think about quantum leap, we're always thinking about what do I have to do to make this quantum leap? Which coach should I sign up with? Which program should I take? Which bill should I add on? Which subscription should I add to get this quantum leap? But when you believe in the power of one degree shift, you're like, I can do this on my own. I can do this. And we have enough. There is this epidemic of self-improvement. We are on the hamster wheel of self-improvement. I am all for self-discovery. If we know who we are, we can awaken our inner mentor and we can, we really have the power to create. We are, we're coded with it. So I, I totally believe in perspective shifts and it's not like, I believe, I don't think this is one, one and done work. So when I tell you that, you know, I, I came upon this thought of I'm not in the tomb, I'm in the womb. Am I the enlightened one now? No, I like have bad days. Like Yesterday was a really bad day for me. I was so anxious. I was so nervous. I was so like in my own feelings yesterday. And this journey to self is about a million beginnings. And I yeah. don't think people talk about that enough that we can begin again. We have such a culture of we did it one time and we failed. So we can do it again. You can begin again. So I have to remind myself of of this perspective shift again and again and again. And therefore, the work of inner critic never gets done. Mm. It gets better through time. You learn its tricks because it is a trickster. So now when my inner critic talks to me, I have developed enough self-awareness to distinguish between its voice and the voice of my inner mentor. But do I fall for it sometimes?
0: Yes. So what do you do then when you have a day like yesterday?
1: I begin again. So first of all, I think, so what I did yesterday, first of all, I panic like all of us do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we always get enough feelings. And I think it's important to be there as well. Uh, the, this is probably going to be a whole different podcast episode, Sarah. But uh, yeah. we cannot bypass our emotions. We have to feel our emotions. Yeah. Our emotions are a way to our uh the voice of the heart. by the way, I love that I'm gonna use it some some time, so I do that, and sometimes I forget, and sometimes I ask for help. sometimes I reach out to someone yesterday I was having this major anxiety or nothing, and I called a friend, and then she helped me calm down this month. I went to this woman's circle uh and you know I was held there. So you have to have your own community. I think this work is done in community. You can't do it alone. But also, your emotions are validated. Yeah. You don't feel good enough today? You're valid. I'm not going to make you wrong. Yes, you don't feel good enough. Of course you don't feel good enough. Because XYZ happened. Your emotions are valid. So it's not about going from I don't feel good enough to, oh, I feel whole and perfect that's never going to happen it's these like little again perspective like 1 degree shift that yeah. we use
0: i love that because we're in such an all or nothing culture at least in in a lot of the circles that i've yeah. been in and i think when you surround yourself with ambitious people all good intentions but are looking for those quantum leaps and they're looking for that you know 360 or not 180 whatever it is but it is, it's like that whole concept, the one degree difference, the 1% happier. Yeah. All those things. It's those, those little habits that add yeah. up instead of relying on those quantum shifts. And it does create a quantum shift. Eventually. It does totally it's does. just a more, it's a more gentle yeah. process. I think. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This has been such a great conversation. I'm so, so thankful for you. Coming on here, sharing your wisdom, all these golden nuggets. So, for anyone who wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you? Follow you? Work with you?
1: Sure. So, definitely listen to our podcast. I feel podcast listeners love other podcasts. So, if you like like this episode, follow or listen to one of the episode from Journey Home to Self. Um, that's where I spend most of my creation. The other place that I'm having a lot of fun uh, playing with is Substack. I don't know if a lot of people are on it right now, but you probably know this, Sarah, about me that I love to write. And I've been having a lot of fun. And I'm there I share my personal stories, any any tools, anything that I think would help you on your own journey itself. Um, I'm also, create, I don't know when this episode comes out, but there'll also probably be an opportunity for you to come and sit in a circle with us. Uh, the idea that I want to promote is that We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We all want to be validated. And uh, we do that very well in our women's circles. We see you. We honor you. We welcome you. So come experience a circle or a series of women's circles. We call it the sacred circles. We have different themes every time. And that's just a great opportunity for you to be filled up. It's not a networking opportunity. It's not an opportunity for you to go and tell us how great you are. We already know you are amazing. It's an opportunity for you to come and be seen and fill yourself up so that you go and then you can give back to your family, your clients, your community, whatever. Because I think most of us are running on MT right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's being in good community Yeah, is something that enhances every part of your life. So that's so beautiful. And we'll make yeah. sure to put all of the links to everything in the show notes and so if you're listening to this and any of this sounds like you'd like to participate like the women's circle then absolutely check the show notes and we'll make sure we put all the details there. Dee thanks so much for being here.
1: Oh pleasure thank you so much for having me so awesome. It's my
0: pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.